Hey love, welcome to the Level Up Sanctuary. You're in the right place at the right time. Let's dive in. Hey ladies, so it is such a pleasure to be with you guys today. Um, it's a big moment. I'm actually doing podcast number two, right? Um, so many things we start and we don't finish, right? Um, because we finally muster up the courage to do step one. And then we're like, yes, we feel so good. And it's like, no, you got to keep going now. Like, this is just the beginning. Um, and the keep going part can knock so many of us, you know, off our tracks. But we're here um, and we're at episode two. So today I want to talk about um, faith. Um, I've been having a lot of time to self-reflect and really think about, you know, some of the things that um, are within me that have helped me to get to where I am in life and where I can clearly see that I'm going, right? And um, so many times, like, I have a very um, positive outlook for the most part on people. Like, you know, I genuinely believe that you know, God put greatness inside of everybody. You know, I genuinely believe that, you know, he is the source and, you know, people have access to him and, you know, they can basically illuminate, you know, the light that's within them. And I believe these things about people. So when people are not basically operating at, you know, a high level of, or a higher level from which, you know, I feel like, you know, they are more than capable of doing, I end up in a state of confusion And sometimes I even end up in almost like this investigative state of trying to understand and getting down to the bottom of why this is. Why is there such a discrepancy between the potential you have to be and yet the level that you're actually operating at? You know what I mean? And obviously, if I'm going to look at that in others, I have to be able to look at that in myself as well, right? But nonetheless, I mentally know that I'm on a journey moving forward. Like I'm on a process, you know, this is greatness in action. Um, but for many people, it's not that it's, there's no such thing as being in a process. They are in a rut and exactly where they are is where they're going to be. And they intend to be in that place. Um, they don't believe they can go beyond that place and they'll die, unfortunately, in that place. And, you know, as I began to like think about this, you know, I've, you know, people have tried to put all types of labels on why, you know, I've been able, you know, to progress, right? In society, they'll try to say, oh, you know, well, it's because of your skin color, right? Well, don't have that, right? I'm a black woman. They'll say, oh, you know, it's because um, you come for money. Nope, don't, don't have that. You know, matter of fact, came from, you know, poverty. My family came from Haiti, you know, we're immigrants, you know, to this country. Um, you know, and they'll say, oh, well, it's because you got, you know, this. And, and they'll use all types of excuses until they can't find one. And then they realize like, okay, well, you're just different. You know what I mean? You're just different. You just think differently. Um, And then that can sometimes obviously be a problem for some people. But it made me question, like, why? Right. And I was talking to, you know, a girlfriend today and she had a conversation with me um, and she said, you know, she believes that's something like, you know, you're born with, like you're identified with that as a child, you know, and I genuinely do believe everyone's born with it. But it's a matter of is everyone aware of it, you know? Um, And sometimes the trauma of life is too deep to bring people into awareness of their value 
as a person. Like the traumas, unfortunately, just overtake it. So um, I've been wondering, prior to me having this conversation with a friend of mine, um, I've been like, okay, what is it? Like, what is that trait, Michelle? Like, what is that one unique trait that you carry that, you know, enables you to go from glory to glory, that enables you to go from abundance to abundance? What is that unique trait about you? What sets you apart? And I'm so happy that I was able to identify what that trait is. You want to know why? I'm so happy. (laughs) I'm so happy to identify that trait within myself because I'm not the only one with that trait. If there was, I genuinely want to help people or at the best that I can, you follow. Um, Obviously, I want to help my family. I want to, you know, do great things, but I do want to leave some kind of impact. When I meet people, I want to have some kind of positive impact. I do not want to be like, I don't want it to be a, a, a experience of just giving lip service, right? But if I'm going to make this impact, then that means that I have to be able to either bring you into awareness or provide you of a tool that makes it very clear that you're able to have, you know, the results that you want out of life and maybe the results I get out of life inspire you, right? In terms of the results that you're going to, you know, seek after or allow to manifest um, into your life. But if I have a unique trait... (laughs) And it's only my trait. It's only Michelle's trait. Yes, you know, I'm my own person. Yes, I have my own personality. All these different things, great. I have so many attributes about me that makes me Michelle. The same way you have a lot of attributes about yourself that make you you. But when we're talking about elevation, when we're talking about manifestation, what I generally don't want to feel is like I possess a trait that only I possess And no one else possesses this trait because if I'm the only person that possesses this, then I can't help people. You follow? If I believe that I have a trait that only I have it, no one else has that trait. How am I going to be able to help people? I'm I'm already setting them up for failure. I'm already setting them up for failure. If it takes a key to open the door and I am the only person that has the key, then guess what? It doesn't matter how much I try to tell people, you can open the door, you can do it, You, the door is there for you. It doesn't matter how much I do that, the end result is I'm the only person that can open the door because I'm the only person that has the key and I'm the only person that can be in possession of the key. That is a problem. That's a big problem for me because I can't help people if I'm the only one that has that trait or that skill or whatever you want to call it, that virtue. So when I look within myself because I want to be able to help other people and I found, I put my fingers on what is that unique quality about Michelle that really just allows her life to illuminate and come alive and she's constantly able to go from one situation to another right which sometimes can seem effortlessly you know and obviously I I, I, honestly I go through things but 
sometimes, you know, from the outside, you know, listening to friends, sometimes it looks effortless. But what is it? What is that defined trait? And when I found it, y'all, I was so grateful. (laughs) I was so grateful because it's something that we all have access to. We all have access to it. So my job today is to not withhold any good thing from you, to give you the key, to make you aware, I should say, of what the key is, and you decide for yourself if you're going to believe in the key and you're going to utilize it in your life, okay? So what is my superpower? My superpower is my faith. That's my superpower, guys. That's my superpower. My faith. And I'm so grateful to know that about myself. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing me into that revelation and awareness about myself. That's what makes me different. My faith. That's what makes me look so peculiar. That's what makes me able to keep going. That's what makes me able to smile. That's what makes me able to believe in the best. That's what makes me able to do everything I'm doing. That's what's going to make me successful. That's what this life that God is unfolding, manifesting. That's what's making all of this possible. My faith. My faith. The fact that I believe that it can happen and not just happen, happen for me. And my faith is backed up by actions. My faith, and let me tell you why that means so much to me. Because that's something that you have access to as well. That means there's no excuses, absolutely no excuses why you can't have greatness in your life. And you can't actualize a life full of greatness. There's no excuses. Because faith, faith isn't mine. I did not create faith. I didn't make that. That's not something that I'm in the lab cooking up. Look at the look at the wrist, right? I'm not cooking that up. I'm not making that. I'm tapping into it. So I'm gonna do my best to share some of the things that I do to tap into my faith. So that I can operate at a level of miraculous breakthroughs and abundance. I'm going to do my best to share that, you know, that with you. Share my faith. Okay. So there's a scripture and I'm going to start there. Um, It's Mark 5. Verse 34, your girl got the scripture down today, girl. (laughs) Mark 5, verse 34. And um, this is when um, Jesus is speaking to the woman with the issue of blood. And, you know, we'll go, you know, into that a little deeper. And he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Ladies, this is what I pray 
over all of you because I tr- I genuinely believe obviously this is the level up sanctuary um I'm I'm here to deploy that's it I'm here to deploy women that already have greatness in them I'm just simply here to help you deploy into your greatness I cannot put greatness in you that was already the father our father in heaven already provided that like that's something that is that is ancient you know that's inside of you all that's ancient okay um however unfortunately for many of us life has happened it has wounded us um emotionally mentally in so many ways and you know the spirit is willing but the flesh is not and our flesh is filled unfortunately with so much trauma you know and the enemy lies so much and you know many of us believe in so many lies that are preventing us from being able to use our spiritual strength you know to go from glory to glory so I love the fact that there is a scripture that we can address right now where he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith, ladies, has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So um, I'm going to back it up real quick because sometimes I don't know if you be in church and the pastor say something like he read the scripture and it means so much to him because, you know, he has the revelation. But when you don't have the revelation yet. Sometimes it's just a scripture. It's just words on a piece of paper. So right now when I just gave that scripture, I know for many of you, all that was was some words on a piece of paper, right? So what I want to do is add some color to that so that now, um, hopefully, those words actually have meaning and they come to life, okay? So um, Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you uh, just empower my voice to be able to resonate to the woman that needs to hear Um, this right now that is under the sound of my voice. Lord, I thank you so much for the platform that you provided me to be able to touch your daughters and to be able to reach them in a way that you desire for them to reach. I thank you for the love and the healing that you allow to pour through me. And I thank you for the strength that you give me that as I release, Lord, as I release from my cup, Lord, you continue to um, replenish mine. And I thank you, Lord, that it's from the overflow that I am speaking today, Lord. And I thank you that I don't have to deal with any draining of myself, because I am walking in an abundance of energy and healing that I'm able to share in Jesus name. Amen. So, okay. So let me tell you guys how I got here, right? So how I got here is I was, um, first I was just thinking about how important faith is. And I've been kind of like in a season of my life and I've gone through this several times. And anyone that knows me knows that when I am in a place of manifesting, um, I isolate myself. I have to do that. I have to isolate myself because I have to um, recalibrate, if you want to say it, right? I need to look within. I need to look at myself. I need to make sure that within myself, that basically call it a sabbatical, whatever you want to call it. I have to look in with, within myself. I have to be healed. Um, and and my, mental, my mental has to be right. I have to be physically moving in a way I need to be moved, all those different things. So what happens when I'm when I have too many people around me, um, there's too much energies that I'm combating to be able to rest in the energy that I personally need to rest in to be able to manifest. You follow? Because you can be around a lot of people, but if their energy is not conducive for you manifesting, then you have a problem. You follow? So sometimes you do need to step away. Matter of fact, I say most of the times, I don't, I, I know little people in life. Actually, I know of no one in life that has managed to 
um, get to a certain level of greatness that didn't isolate themselves at some point in time. Isolation is very healthy. Now, depression and isolation is unhealthy. You follow? That is an unhealthy combination. Um, sometimes, do you, can you go through depression and go through isolation? Yes, but um, you know you have to go in there with a very healthy uh, mind because sometimes I believe that your spirit can be stronger than what you're facing, and I'll get into that on another day. But your spirit can be stronger than what you're facing, and you just are processing depression. You're not actually depressed. There's a difference, right? I've gone through plate stages in my life where I've had to process the depression, where I had to let myself feel those feelings, feel, you know, the hurt, feel the pain, feel the anxiety, feel all those different things. And that was a feeling of depression, but I was not internalized that depression. As all those energies were coming through, I was just simply still talking to the Lord saying, wow, God, um, I see that my heart hurts here. Wow, God, I see that this is something I'm doing. Okay, help me to be able to. So I'm going through it with a very conscious level of, you know, thought process. But when you're not consciously going through depression, that thing can kill you. You follow? So isolation with depression is very risky. You follow? But if you can isolate yourself and heal, right, um, you, uh, you might strike uh, you might strike a pain area that depression is in, okay? Because isolation forces you to go within, which means when you're going within, any type of clutter or chaos inside of you is going to be addressed when you're going within, especially when you're going within with the Lord, okay? So anyways, so um, going through, you know, that process. So um, I was just simply thinking about some, my mind got on, um, Matthew chapter nine, verse 18, right? This is the story when Jesus healed the girl from the dead. So for some reason, I just felt led to read this passage, right? And honestly, y'all, this is why sometimes I don't like messing with the Holy Spirit because sometimes he will take me down a rabbit hole. And before I know it, I am in a trance because I am spiritually downloading so much and I have to pull away because it's like, whoa, 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 it's too much. So I'm careful. Like I think I, I, I realized when I'm going to do my moments, when I'm going to go in deep water, I realized with myself, I need to do that like on Sundays, because if I do that in the middle of the day, nothing's getting done. <laughs> nothing's going to get done. I'm going to be sitting there like in like pure, like, oh my gosh, mode and revelation and things like that. So I, I realized that I need to do that on a sacred day, a day that I, I, you know, my Sabbath day that's sacred for me, where I can go there and not feel, you know, that I need to pull out so quickly. Okay. Anyways, and I'm sorry if this sounds so deep for y'all, but anyways, you're learning my process. And as I go through it and break it down, you understand more and more and more. So, um, this is the story when Jesus heals, um, the girl from the dead. Now this is what, which was interesting for me. So this is where it all starts to hit me. Okay. What, where are we on time? Okay. So I'm trying to go as quick as possible guys. So I apologize if this is a little long. Okay. I'm trying to do these for starters for 30 minutes. So let's see if we can get it there. All right, so Jesus at this point, um, he's at the synagogue, he's um, at the synagogue, and a synagogue leader, um, basically they let the synagogue leader know that you know your daughter. Um, it sounds like he went there to get in touch with Jesus for the sake of healing his daughter, but by the time he got in Jesus' presence, one of you know the people said to him, you know, don't even bother interrupting Jesus because your daughter's dead, right? So the synagogue leader reaches over to Jesus and say, listen, I need you to go see my daughter and lay your hands on her, um, you know, so that she can live. Okay. So 
this is where this process of faith began to really hit me. So I noticed that, okay, the synagogue leader says, I need you to go touch my daughter so that she can live. So his belief, he believed that Jesus can heal his daughter, but his belief system said that Jesus had to touch his daughter in order to heal her. And y'all, we're going to have to break this down. I know I'm not going to be able to do all this in one day, but we're going to have to break this down. Let's just call this part one right now. Okay. So Jesus is like, okay, no problem. I'm going to go. I'm going to operate at your faith level. On his way to, to healing his daughter, this is when he encounters the woman with the issue of blood. Okay. And this woman, when he encounters her, this is the woman that says, you know, again, she believes that Jesus has the power to heal her. She's been dealing with the issue of blood for 12 years, right? Can you imagine having like a freaking period for 12 years? Like that's crazy. But anyways, um, and I'm calling it, shoot, I'm calling it a period. It might be worse than that. I don't know how your flow is, but I know that's horrible. So he's like, okay. She says, you know what? I know that he can heal me. If I simply just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. So in her mind, the power of Christ is so strong. His lightness, his, his, his healing power, his miraculous power is so strong that he don't even have to physically touch her. She don't have to get his acknowledgement. He don't even have to say yes or no. In her mind, all she has to do is touch part of the clothes that's on him and she's going to be healed. You follow? This is the moment when Jesus said, who touched me? Because instantly when she got, she touched his garment, she was healed. But then the scripture says that Jesus felt virtue leave him. He felt energy, power leave him. And even though he was in a crowd of people, he's like, who touched me? The disciples like, what do you mean you touch? You're around all these people. What do you mean he touched? He's like, no, somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. Who touched me? Who touched me there? Right. Who touched me there? Okay. So um, I don't know if you guys younger, when I used to go um, to like the clubs, I wasn't a big, big club, but I did definitely used to go out to the clubs. Um, and when I, I stopped going to the clubs for real, for real, because um, one time I was walking like through and this guy touched my butt and I reacted to the fact that he touched my butt. So even though it was a crowd full of people, what I felt was the guy that touched my butt and I was so offended. And I remember that when I was like, who touched me? And I was like, don't touch me, right? And I reacted to that. His response was, well, if you don't want no one to touch you, you shouldn't be here. So it was a club. It's not no strip club. There's no reason why you should feel that kind of way. But nonetheless, that's kind of like what made me not go to club. I didn't like the fact that someone said to me, because you are in my environment, you're susceptible to whatever I choose to do to you. I didn't like that. It was very predatory to me. And then that's really when, you know, aside from me going through my faith journey and whatever, whatnot, that's one of the things that logically made me say, oh, it's easy to let this thing go because nah, you're not going to feel that way about me. My point about using that story is, is because, um, when somebody touches you in a private place or when someone touches you in a place that's so unexpected that you, you know, it's kind of like you have that reaction, you know? So this is, even though this is a positive in a way thing, he had a reaction like, who touched me? I'm around a lot of people. Yes, y'all grazing up on me, but somebody touched me in a place that they really shouldn't have been able to touch me in. Who did that? Right? 
And um, that's when the woman got so afraid because she kept looking and she admitted it was me, it was me. I, I'm the one that did it. I'm the one that touched you. And this is the point when he responds to her, you know, daughter, your faith has healed you, right? This is when he responds to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Um, basically go in peace, right? Go in peace and be freed from your suffering, okay? So he wanted to know who it was, but ultimately wasn't to disrespect her or shred her to pieces, whatever she thought it was, because the Bible says that she was fearful. Um, He just wanted to affirm her and validate her healing, right? And her faith. But that part struck me because I was like, why was Jesus so... (sighs) I don't have any recollection of Jesus being in 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 his healing ministry and um healing somebody and him being so um having that kind of a reaction to healing somebody so it made me focus on that woman and say what was so unique about her in comparison to all the healing that he did right now mind you i was simply reading the the scripture about this what I thought I was here to to do I thought I was here to read about the girl um that passed away that he was on his way to because I was focused more on the energies I'm like okay because I remember that there was a time when I remember in that scripture that when Jesus went to go heal that little girl when he finally got there he told everyone to clear the room and only the parents of the girl could stay so my logic or my interpretation that has always been he got all the the non-believers out of the room so that only the believers could stay because that believing energy was so necessary right now that's where I thought I was on my way to but instead I end up being so captive captivated by this woman's story but I'm gonna still address that issue with the um with the little girl okay so then the scripture says that when Jesus now, he, he heals that woman with issue of blood, tells her to go in peace, right? You're not suffering any longer. Um, you're freed. He goes to the little girl. It's, she said, it said, scripture said when Jesus arrived, that he arrived basically to an environment where there was a lot of noise. There was a whole lot of noise um, and, you know, all types of pipes and wailing and things like that. Okay. And then when Jesus arrived, while all this yelling and screaming and all this stuff is going on, Jesus arrives and he says, the girl's not dead. She's simply asleep. Again, I'm like, why did he say asleep? Because the scripture made a point to point out that when Jesus arrived, it was so noisy. People were like hollering and doing all of that. So why did the scriptures go in to say He said that he was asleep because if you think about it, if you're asleep and there's a lot of noise, right? If you're asleep and there's a lot of noise, you're going to wake up. But here it is. She's in a noisy state, yet she's dead. And he's saying she's just sleeping, but I'm going to be able to wake her up. So I'm like, Holy Spirit, open my eyes, help me see this. And this is where it began to really that illumination end up happening. And you guys are going to see how important it is to have faith at the end. So then when he said that to the girl, you know what ends up happening? He says to her, get up, right? The girl, you know, awakes, she comes to, okay? She's basically brought back, brought back from the dead, okay? So why is it that he say that she's just sleeping? And this is why I realized in the place that she was, 
all this hollering, all this noisiness that was going on, all this begging and pleading, whatever it was, that is not what's going to awake the girl. There is a certain thing, there is a certain noise, there's a certain kind of sound that it took to wake something dead up. Maybe you have something that you feel like is dead in your life, right? It could be whatever. It could be a marriage. It could be a business. It could be whatever, okay? All I know, based on this scripture, if you want that thing to be alive, there's only one sound that is able to wake something dead up. And that sound is the sound of faith. All that ecstasy, man was doing it with the flesh. They were doing all the noisiness with the flesh. Christ came in and he used the sound of faith. Okay. So this inspired me so much that it caused me to go look at scripture. And I said, you know what? I want, I want to see a pattern of every time Jesus heals somebody. I want to start to see the pattern right now. I'm not, now I'm not a, a fan of Jesus in this point, meaning I'm a fan, but sometimes we, we learn scripture. We learn scripture through the lens of a fan. Like, wow, he did what? Oh my gosh. He did what miracle? What? He fed 5,000 with what? Right. And you look at it from a place of a fan. No, right now I'm an investigative journalist. So y'all I took, I hopped on Google and I'm like, how many miracles did Jesus do during his ministry, right? Um, got the got the like like a um like a table of contents type of thing. And there's 37 miracles Jesus did in his ministry. You follow? Now, I'm still gonna fact check that, but right now, from I started going through each one one by one, and so far it's 37. If there's more or less, I'll let you know, but so far 37 is the number. Okay, miracles. But here's the point. So I started going through each miracle one by one, one by one, one by one, one by one by one. I was trying to find the trend, the pattern of every time Jesus did a miracle. You follow me, ladies? So every time he did a miracle, I noticed several things happening, right? So sorry, I hear papers like this is me going to my notes. Number one thing I noticed every time Jesus did a miracle is that he spoke. He gave some kind of order or some kind of words and some kind of action need to be taken. Every single miracle Jesus did, there was some kind of speaking going on, meaning he spoke. That person spoke, they spoke in their faith what they wanted, and then he spoke that you were healed. There was no miracle that Jesus did without speaking, but for one. But for one. What do you guys think that miracle was? The woman with the issue of blood. And I'm going to address it. Okay. So I'm going through all these miracles and I'm like, whoa. So then now I see there is a scripture. Man, if I have it here in front of you. Okay. So there's a scripture. I'm sorry, guys. I don't have it here in front of me. I should have written it down, but you guys will find it. Right. Google it. Where I'm going through each miracle where Jesus um, now encounters um, the two blind men. Right. And this is really going to help somebody. He encounters the two blind men. So make sure you, you send this to a friend, especially one that you know complains a lot. You know, you don't have to tell them, you know, you think they complain a lot, but you could just tell them this helps them. Right. So Jesus encounters um, uh, two blind men. OK. And when he encounters two blind men, this is what they say. They say, um, son of David, have mercy on us. 
Okay. That's what they kept saying. Son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Right. So I don't know how many, I don't know if you guys like, I I won't say I was raised in church, but I definitely went to church. Okay. And a lot of Christians, even if you are in a Christian home, okay. Um, a lot of people, the way they try to solve their issues is by whining and complaining and trying to gain some kind of sympathy. You follow? So these men are blind and they're trying to get Jesus's attention with sympathy. So they're like, son of David, have mercy on us, right? Like have compassion for us. Feel bad for us. That's basically what they're saying. Feel bad for us. Now, how do you, especially in this, this day and and age, but what's happening, right? For example, in the black community and all these different things, how many people are walking around saying, please notice us, please have mercy on us. Please care. Somebody care about what we're going through. You follow? So Jesus could have easily said, Okay, no problem. I'll care. Okay, I have my list here. Um, yeah, so Jesus could have easily said, okay, no problem. I'll care. Um, the two blind men, guys, you can find in Matthew chapter 9, verse 27 through 31. Okay? Yeah, Matthew chapter 9, verse 27 to 31. So he says, um, even after they asked him to have mercy, you know what he asked them? Do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe that I can do it? Now they ask for mercy. Now they want the mercy so that they can see. But his response to them, it says, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men following him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him. He asked him, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. They asked for mercy. They thought that mercy, they thought that asking Jesus for sympathy, listen, you're a good person. You should like, you should care, right? How many people do you know? Like, oh my gosh, I don't understand why they don't feel bad for me. Or they want, they want everyone to feel bad for them. And they think that through mercy, trying to get people to have mercy on them, they're going to get things accomplished. You follow? The reality is this, when it's all said and done, right? Jesus had mercy on them. He had compassion for them, but Jesus's powers are accessed through one thing and one thing only through your own faith. Your own faith is the only way to access the power of God. So with mercy, some people will think like, why don't, why didn't he just heal them? Because he could not defy the laws, which still said it's according to your own faith. So what he did, the way he had mercy on them is by teaching them how to have faith. And he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said, yes, that's all he needed from you. I didn't need all the crying. I didn't need all the wailing. I didn't need all the have mercy on me and all this extra stuff. All I needed you to give me was your faith. Your faith that you believe I can do this. And sometimes people act a plumb fool because they're trying to get God to notice them. They're trying to get God to hear them. You want God to notice you? You better touch him with that faith. Okay? So getting back to the woman with the issue of blood. Everybody that Jesus healed from what I'm seeing in scripture in my studies, everyone that Jesus healed, he was in control. Meaning they asked him for something They asked him for something in faith. He said, no problem. I'll do it according to your faith. And he did it. 
The woman with the issue of the blood of, of blood is the only person that did not wait for nobody to tell her she could have it. She did not wait for no one to tell her that she was worthy of healing. She did not wait for no one to tell her that wait, wait your turn. She did not wait for nobody. She cut through the entire crowd and she decided in herself for her own faith. All I'm trying to do right now is solve my own problem. So I'm going to take this faith that I have. I'm going to bum rush through this entire crowd. And I know at the end of the day, this man is so powerful that the power of God is resonating even in the very garment that he's wearing. So I will push through all of y'all just to touch him to get my healing. And this is why when it's all said and done, he said, who touched me? Because first of all, I didn't even, you didn't even give me the chance. You didn't even ask me. You just took it. Your faith and your resolve, your determination, your resilience, your desire to be free was so strong that you didn't even wait on me to notice you. You didn't even wait. You just simply took it. You accessed the faith that you needed and you used that faith to get what you needed out of it. Period. So what I'm saying to you guys, ladies, is there's some things that you want to happen in your life and you can't be waiting around for people to tell you that you're worthy. You can't be waiting around for people to tell you that you can do it. You can't be waiting around waiting for people to say, hey, listen, it's your turn. It's your time. You can't be waiting around for none of that. You have to decide within yourself that you want to be free. You have to decide within yourself that you're going to be free. And you have to decide within yourself that you're going to do whatever you have to do to make sure that you're free. And you're going to go after it. You're going to push through. You're going to bump through. And you know in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, if you do just this very thing, that you will be healed. It's your healing. So what I'm trying to tell you ladies to do, what sets me apart is like the woman with the issue of blood. I took control. I took matters into my own hands. I still tapped into faith, but it was a different level of faith. It was the kind of faith that said this is happening and it's happening right now. And you all have the ability to tap into that. All of you. All of you. I don't know how to have faith no other way but this way. I don't know how to. So I'm encouraging you guys. I'm encouraging you to feed that. I'm encouraging you to make up in your mind, whatever it is, is going to happen and move by faith with force in action. But it takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of trust to believe in God. And this is why it's so important to clear the path, meaning clear your heart of any issues, any traumas that are getting in the way of you trusting God. God. You got to deal with losses that you face. You got to deal with disappointments. You have to deal with the discouragement and the betrayal. You have to deal with the abuse. You have to deal with all of that. You have to clear your heart of that so you can trust God. So ladies, again, that's what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful to know that my superpower is my faith. And my prayer for you is that your faith will begin to become 
and be your superpower too. I love you ladies. Until next time. Hey ladies, thanks for listening. Like I always say, a woman that has her mind, her body, her spirit, and her money right is nothing to play with. So ladies, if you're really focusing on just making some changes in your finances or maybe looking at different ways that you can improve it, listen, join us Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Women, Wine, and Wealth. This event is specially designed for ladies like you that all are about improving themselves, including their finances. So if you'd like to join us, please go to our Instagram page. That's the Level Up Sanctuary and go ahead and click the link in the bio. This will allow you to be registered for this event. Again, this is a women-only event, so I'm looking forward to seeing you guys there. But that being said, guys, thank you again for joining us today. I really hope that you found some golden nuggets that are able to help you in your journey.